The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark in today. Hope you're doing all right. It will be good tomorrow. It'll be good Thursday. It'll be good Friday weather-wise. Just fight through uh, one last what kind of bleak-looking day. But no snow. It's all right. Although Connor Clark, man, is you were born, what, 1901? Oh, two. Oh, two. So that might have been the uh, couple years past the Yield album for Pearl Jam. Point is, is you got your Eddie Vedder going, man. You got the flannel going. <laughs> I uh, wish I was that cool, but. Well, he's a Cub guy, kind of like you. So there you go. So just picture Connor Clark in his, in his uh, grunge flannel right now. But we're, uh, we're loaded up, man. We are going to talk some uh, Nebraska football, some in-state recruiting Mitch Sherman with The Athletic will be with us, get his take on a lot of big red topics. Trev Alberts with his monthly call-in show on the network last night tries to answer the question why. We'll get into that in a little bit. Hear a little bit from Trev also from the network. Rick Kaczynski jumps in on NIL and what the going rate is. Some staggering numbers, but not that shocking per the athletics report and then uh, mike st james dear friend of the show he is a uh, he's a big michigan state guy but that's not why he's on uh, he may have unduly influenced junior uh, in his spartan love but st james the big uh, better call saul guy we both got kind of hooked on to better call saul thanks to our dear friend timo from the eagle and uh, he went to, to, to college with, with Saul, with Bob Odenkirk. So incredible first couple of episodes in the final season last night. So we'll spend a little bit of time on Better Call Saul. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-476-800-825-5865. Those are the phone numbers. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt. That's me and Connor Clark and all his flannel glory. Uh, and uh, find and follow him on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. So a lot of things covered by Trev Alberts last night, uh, one of which was <laughs> was not answered, but the question's there. And Elijah Herbal, bless his heart and his mustache, right? Elijah got into the the topic of Nebraska's men's sports records. I think he put this tweet out Friday or Saturday, 
it's it's the, the worst men's sports combined record for basketball and football span-wise since World War II. And, and you know what was going on in World War II? Uh, able-bodied and brave, for sure. The greatest generation fighting to end fascism, <clears throat> fighting to, to get rid of that goon Hitler. And a lot of programs, <laughs> understandably so, were not winning Rose Bowls or winning Big Ten titles. And you had the, the best in our country serving our country. Well, you have... Uh, baseball that's 13 and 21 softballs at 33 and nine Connor you've called both I remember college days man where you're getting to watch softball and and when I was your age I was Ron Ravel was going to the CWS and uh, she's got an incredible squad this year Uh, coach Bolt's trying to find answers and and I know Will will get it figured out but right now I mean that's that's (laughs) that's both ends of the spectrum right now so why, you know, Treb was asked, why are the women's sports crushing it? And why are the men's sports falling short? And not just like short, but just, man, it is take your heart out, hard out and, and stomp on it and put it out like a smoky treat. That's, that's what the men's sports have, have, have done. You get geared up, you get hyped up. And it's affected your outlook, and that's okay. I get it. As a Nebraska fan, you're afraid to love again. <laughs> you just are. Because you, you've you got it and said, oh, man, the expectations are high. You jump on the hype train, and it, it, it just, you you, flay, you face plant. And, and baseball still has a chance to, to say something about this year. Basketball was what it was despite their their three-game finish, right? They looked the last couple of games, Wisconsin-Ohio State, you go, wow, good work. Where was that the rest of the season? Changes were made. You look at football 3-9, and nine, you're right there against playoff teams, 11-2 and two squads, teams that finished in the top five and in the top ten. Playoff team, for God's sake, in Michigan. But you're still 3-9. and nine. You're going to have as many draft picks as you've had since the Amir Abdullah era in the NFL. This upcoming draft a week from Thursday, a week from uh, yeah, a week from Thursday with the NFL uh, draft that'll that'll be held. You'll have you'll hear a lot of Husker names called on that second day. We think, but uh, Trev's response to the network: great question. Why why are the men's programs struggling? Why are the women's programs thriving? And I think a lot of it has to do with confidence. I think a lot of it has to do with expectation and pressure it's not that there's not pressure for amy williams to go have a good year she has incredibly high standards john cook final four right they are printing final four trips or elite eights or sweet 16s at worst that's how great they are and then husker softball they're back in the thick of it they've cranked out 18 in a row but with with the, the men's programs man they they play God, this sounds so, and this isn't personal, Connor, but they just play scared sometimes. They play not to lose in some instances. And when it comes to key moments in the game, it, it goes sideways and it's the difference maker. Be it a turnover or a penalty or not making a tackle, they're just not making the plays mentally or physically. And I'm, I'm broad brushing, but that's, you're not hitting 
in, in, with baseball runners in scoring position or you're not getting the opportunity to, to get out of an inning or you boot a ball or then you flip it around for basketball, you take a bad shot, it turns into an 8-0 run, football, you don't have ball security, fumble against Michigan. Well, and you mentioned pressure, but at the same time, well, really two things. The pressure thing, and I, there's more to that puzzle because I don't think pressure is the only thing that's separating softball, which is 33-9, and nine, to baseball's 13-21. and 21. Obviously, it's it. part of it. It's part of it. But at the same time, if you're Trev Alberts put in that position, how do you even answer that question? Like, It's a great question, though. You're not coaching any of the teams. Now, obviously, you oversee who is coaching the teams, and you're watching practices and whatnot, but – you're not directly a part of every single team at the University of Nebraska. You're going to let John Cook do his thing because he's done his thing forever. Same thing with Ravel. You're going to let her do her thing. All right? So I don't know if I want to say pressure is the only thing. Obviously, it's part of it. But at the same time, and I, I agree with your point that you say the men's team, especially when it came to basketball, I think was playing it not to lose. I think that's a really good point especially when it comes to basketball, because you have all these games. And I know basketball, it was bad, and they had a good finish, but it, they Think were Think of the in, hype around them. They, they had a lot of hype around them, and, and myself included. But they were still, and, and I'm not trying to make excuses for them here, but they were still in games against high-quality opponents until, <laughs> like, the last five minutes. It was, it was kind of a, a repeat to a lesser degree of football. Yeah, it was, it was a much more mild version of football, mm-hmm. I would say, because you're in the game against Illinois. You're in the game against Iowa. You beat two really good teams in Ohio State and Wisconsin. You probably should beat Northwestern in that Big Ten tournament game. So I don't know. Like, you shouldn't I, get drilled at home by a 1,000 by Northwestern. <laughs> I know. It's, just, it's, it's the question that nobody will ever know the answer to. If Trev Alberts can answer, then I don't know who the hell can. So. Well, I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to It's a great question, and as he analyzes what he's supposed to say or do, and from a resources standpoint, I mean, there's, there's, there's resources given to women's sports, but from a spending and a following standpoint, you just have different numbers. You just do, and you have 80,000, 89,000, 85,000, 54,000 for a practice where it's touch in the first half still, right? And you had a – did you do the softball game Sunday? Uh, I haven't done a softball game since the Rutgers. Okay. Games. Well, point is, is you had a good crowd on right. Easter Sunday. And you still have your, your diehard Husker softball fans that are great folks and they're, they're, they're big time. But you're getting more of a following now because they're winning yeah. and they're hot. Just like the Husker women's basketball team, you win. Folks are going to show up and go. And while the attendance dwindled for men, it was still pretty decent. I mean, yeah, it was solid. And, and even with Nebraska football, you're three and nine, but folks are still going. Yeah, uh, I mean, sellout streak still intact, whatever. So, Trev's confident in the leadership. That's great. And here's the other part. Talking to my brother about this today. Sat down with him. He's the the wise voice of reason I go to for like you know just life stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was telling me that. This, this, the, with, with, we were talking Nebraska, we're talking men's and women's and, you know, kind of off off of Trev's question and I wish I knew the answer type response. And that's, that's fair to say with, uh, with Nebraska football and Nebraska basketball and even baseball, 
the pressure part, the expectation part is is very real, and I think it plays into not wanting to to screw it up. And in not wanting to screw it up, you're gripping too tight, you're gripping too hard, and man, oh man, that's been the issue. The thing that is going to be different this year, because it is new, it's new voices, it's new ideas, it's new philosophy, is going to be your new hires. That, that can be good and different from winning programs. Specifically in football, with the LSU connection. Guys that have won championships, guys that have been other spots, guys that have coached under some greats, their input. Mark Whipple's seen everything. And and he's done a hell of a job where he's been. That will be the key difference for this turnaround for football. Not only the production they get, how well they teach, the fundamentals that are absorbed, and then the result that all A, B, C, and D together lead to victories. But you're going to have some different voices, not just for the players, but for the, the guys that are still back on staff, especially in the offense. I mean, it's, it's Frost and Becton. And Becton's not in question here. Scott's been a, a, not making excuses, but as you look at lifetime as a head coach, it's it's – fewer years than a lot of people that he's going up against in the Big Ten, or they've coached at other uh, high-level schools. Not to take anything away from Central Florida or assistance work at Oregon, but, I mean, and then you get to this pressure cooker that is Nebraska, not only as a player, but clearly as a coach. So that could be different here. That could be that could be the game changer if you, if you made the right hires. Yeah, and hopefully change is good because sometimes change can, I don't know, maybe you don't want to change things up, but it's worthy here, and it's its its definitely appropriate in both of these circumstances when you look at football and basketball, and hopefully there are changes for the better. Uh, as you mentioned, you come into this pressure cooker system of Nebraska football where... Some of them get it because they've lived it. Right, and Scott Frost has, has lived it his mm-hmm. virtually his entire life, so... He's used to the pressure, and some of his players may not be used to the pressure, but he certainly is. Well, and you're getting different players from from, from pretty big-time programs. Well, yeah. Casey Thompson gets pressure at Texas. Palmer gets pressure as a five-star dude at LSU, right? So, and, and Riola gets pressure just because, you know, you, you, it, it's, it's a meat grinder in the NFL. Couple of thoughts from Trev here. Uh, when it comes to uh, Memorial Stadium, you want to get this place rocking. You need to win, but you also need to attract younger fans. We have time for Trev here. All right, Trev, uh, on uh, how welcoming Memorial Stadium is, uh, regenerating that fan demo. I'm part of this, and I can be part of this. And and by the way, there's also a rationale for it. When young people come to our campus and experience it. When they make decisions about where to go to college someday, that experience as a third and fourth grader might have an impact on them being, whether they're a student athlete or not, uh, becoming a Husker someday. And that's important to our campus as well. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Carson's youngest memory of Nebraska football, where it was a really good year and things were rocking and rolling, 
Uh, Oregon came to town, right? Oregon came to town, and that was a tight ball game, a big win, kind of springboarded Nebraska into the last time they were ranked in the top ten. Even younger, some of him and his buddies, they didn't, none of them, maybe there were two or three front teeth total with the group of seven or eight, but they're sitting kind of on the backdrop, and then there's Memorial Stadium behind him. That picture got on Twitter somehow, and and Bo saw it, signed it, and sent a, hey, guys, thanks for coming to the game. So that's like his interaction as Husker fandom. It was Oregon in 16, and it was being four or five years old, and then, of course, you know, going to the Miami game. He's like, why do people hate Miami? Son, let's turn on the 84 Orange Bowl. We'll uh, check in with Mitch Sherman. Great to be with you on a Tuesday at Tale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. We welcome in with the athletic. Mitch Sherman joins us. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, any baseball tonight for you? No. Uh, last night was a good night for baseball. A little windy, but didn't bother us. Um, excellent uh, performance on the Diamond. I was uh, back from vacation and and uh, got some baseball. Well, three games in the last in the last five or six days. So outstanding. Good to good to uh, good to get those in, and and we got some more to look forward to later this week. How much pine tar do you allow your kids? I know you're a George Brett fan. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, if we were using the uh, the wood bats, I think I'd be all about it. But uh, um, if he wants to, you know, my, my son himself, if he wanted to, uh, he doesn't know what pine tar is. I don't think any of the boys <laughs> on, on our team know what pine tar is. So I'm just fooling myself, attempting to give you an answer to this, to this question. That's all right. Well, here's a, here's another uh, question I got for you that I'm wondering what your answer is and your reaction. Uh, you have uh, the athletics story here, Stuart Mandel posting uh, mm-hmm. some some numbers from early March. The athletic reporting a five-star 2023 recruit signing an $8 million NIL deal. What's your reaction to the going rate for a three-star defensive tackle being half a mil, four-star wideout being a million? Uh, do you have sticker shock, or are you thinking, ah, that's kind of low? Yeah, I've got sticker shock on that. I I don't think that's that has realistic staying power. And, mm-hmm. and you know, one, I, I think there are going to be guardrails we're, we're seeing this offseason NIL take off in a way that I think people didn't expect 
in the first full year because this thing, remember, just came into effect last summer. So there hasn't been a, a transfer season, you know, an off season, which is now the transfer season uh, that's existed with NIL in place. And here we are in the, the first one, you know, making our way through the first one of these. And you're seeing these kind of numbers, the $8 million number. You know, I'd, I'd encourage people to read uh, what Andy Staples from The Athletic wrote about that a couple of weeks ago, too. Um, you know, Stu had the original story about um, about that number and, and you know, with, with more details. And, and I thought Andy Staples weighed in uh, more recently within the last week to 10 days in a, in a very – um, measured um, and and you know a g- good analysis about about that and, and what it means for the for the game. You know, I, it's it's not sustainable. One, I think there are going to be you know, there's going to have to be some some guardrails, some legislation, you know, something put in place to prevent this from spinning even even farther out of control. And I'm definitely in favor of these athletes earning money off of their name, image, and likeness. But you know that just because of the way football works and the way sports works, they're not all going to be hits. And when you're paying a million dollars or 500,000 or 8 million, whatever it might be to somebody who comes in and just decides he doesn't like college football, like what, what, what happens with, with players or, you know, finds his passion in a different place or is just a bust as a recruit. You know, that stuff, the market will correct itself. Um, so those two things, I think, will be at play in the years to come. Um, there, there will be some rules that, that, that rein this in in some way, although the, you know, the, the genie's out of the bottle with the money being paid. And then I think the market is going to have to correct itself. Um, right now, we're just in this in, in kind of this this wild phase where there there aren't either of those things happening, and it's it's um, you know it, it's fascinating to watch, um, and, it, and it's also you know I know it's scary for a lot of coaches and administrators and and people who follow the sport and, and are watching it watching it change so much right right in front of us in a very short period of time. Mitch Sherman is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mitch, I do agree with you that players should be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. But I also agree in the fact that I also have a little bit of sticker shock with those numbers as well. And an idea that I've kind of been formulating in my head is, well, maybe does the NCAA or do these teams and colleges go to towards more of a salary cap per player, if you will, or something along the lines of that, is that something you'd be interesting to see implemented, or do you have any ideas of how to limit this from getting out of control? I think it's going to take congressional intervention beyond the NCAA. And you, you can't – the way that it's currently structured, there's – look, there's, there's less um, – you know, there, there, are, there, are, there are fewer rules and, and, and less keeping this um, – you know, less structure here than there is – in professional sports, uh, you know, th- those, those leagues do have salary caps and yeah, the players are certainly getting paid more, but they're earning more, you know, they're, they're pros. Uh, 
there, there, there's more structure there um, than there is here, which, you know, it, it, everything's completely flipped on its face from what, how we have known uh, college and pro sports to work in, in, in that way for, for as long as, as they've existed. Um, you know, it's, not, it's also not currently set up to allow for uh, t- teams or schools to institute a salary cap because they're not the ones paying the money. Um, it's, yeah, it's coming from supporters of the schools, but, you know, Nebraska is not paying, uh, is not paying its, its quarterback X number of dollars to, to come here. You know, they're not, they're not giving him an apartment or a car or, you know, whatever other luxuries that, uh, these players are, are taking advantage of. And, 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 and no knock on those, on those players. I mean, they, they're, they're getting what's, what's being offered under the, rules as they exist the thing is is the rules are, are just there 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 are very few <laughs> and you know the one the one rule there is is that this is that the money's not coming directly from the schools and you know that that right now is is preventing anything like a salary cap from existing mitch i uh, really enjoyed your story and feature on nebraska 20 years of frustration the nebraska faithful believe that the end will rise again and uh, your story, one of uh, uh, many different profiles at different schools that were once great that are that are trying to climb their way back. And uh, as you d- dug into this and, and researched Nebraska's pitfalls, I mean, Mickey Joseph seems pretty confident, doesn't he, that Nebraska can get it turned around? Yeah, I didn't have to necessarily research the things that have gone wrong in Nebraska because I've... You've lived them. <laughs> here and watched it. We've yeah. lived it. All of us have who've been in the state for the last two decades. And I didn't really take that approach. You know, some others in this series took the approach of what happened to West Virginia or Syracuse or Colorado or, or some of the other schools that we that we featured in this Wayward Program series. Um, you know, I feel like the stories at Nebraska, you know, why Nebraska has fallen on hard times, uh, those stories have been told. And, you know, I've told a lot of them over the, over the last – three plus years in, in my time at the athletic and, you know, going back um, to, to when I worked at ESPN and the Omaha world Herald, you know, these things we've, they've played out in real time. And, you know, we know about uh, the 2001 Colorado game and, and the exit from the big 12 and, you know, the, 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 the difficulties adjusting to the big 10. So for me, it was, it was important to try to find a way to spin this in a, in a way that, you know, maybe we haven't, we haven't dug into and, there is an opportunity there right in front of us right now or in front of me right now in, in reporting this to, to talk to some of these coaches who have come in this offseason that Scott Frost has, has hired, you know, many who have ties, deep ties in the case of Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush to this program and then other who have more indirect ties like Donovan Riola, um, you know, even Brian Applewhite has some indirect ties to Nebraska. Um, and you know, Mark Whipple, uh, his his only connection really is is was a was a, a loose relationship with Scott Frost. Um, you know, but they're all interesting. Um, I didn't focus as much on Whipple as, as as I did in talking to the other four, and you know, also talked to to Isaac Gifford, who has, um, as you know, deep ties to the program um, with his brother, um, having played here and having gone to uh, to Lincoln Southeast and grown up in in the shadow of of, of this program. Um, it was interesting to hear from those people about, you know, where Nebraska's at now and how they can get to a place that they, that they want to be. And they all had different 
opinions and, and thoughts on that. You know, we know that there have been struggles. We know that Nebraska has endured five consecutive losing seasons right now and hasn't been to a bowl game since 2016. It's not necessarily the story to tell about Nebraska. It's it's what comes next in this in this uh, trajectory. And um, yeah, as you said, Chris, a guy like Mickey Joseph, you know, he's not going to make that decision to want to come back here, to want to come here. Period. Um, if he doesn't have a lot of faith in the ability of Nebraska to to rise again, and you know, not not rise again like it was in the mid '90s, but rise again to a place where it's a prominent program on the conference and and national level, and 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 um, you know, to hear his his feelings and and how passionate he is about about that subject, and the same thing with with Bill Bush and others was um, it was interesting to tell an interesting story to tell and. And I hope it fit well with uh, with the rest of that series that we did on a national level. Mitch Sherman with us from the Athletic. Mitch, about ninety seconds here, but surprise, uh, Zane Flores pulled the trigger on Okie State as soon as he did. Not really. Um, you know, he took the official visit. Um, I wrote about Zane and 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 you know, know Zane somewhat. I've watched him a lot. Um, wrote about him um, recently. Um, I got the sense that he wanted to get done with this soon. You know, it was such a quick recruiting process for him because he didn't have an offer in in uh, in February, early February, and then and then, you know, before his commitment on on Sunday night to Oklahoma State, he had all five Power Five leagues. You know, representation from all five of those Power Five leagues after him who had offered him, including Indiana, um, out of the Big Ten. So. Um, no, not, not surprised. You know, uh, that I, I, you know, I think he wanted to find a fit and he felt like he did on that trip and he really felt, um, a good connection with Tim Rattay, the Oklahoma state quarterbacks coach. And, and it was interesting to ask him about Mike Gundy. I did that when, when we talked uh, a few weeks ago and, you know, he got a good vibe from, from coach Gundy. And, and I mean, it's a guy that he's been there for more than 15 years. You know, there, there's, there's stability at Oklahoma state. I got a little blowback on, on Twitter from some people and saying, how can you say Oklahoma state's stability in the big 12, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Well, I mean, Oklahoma state's a stable program and you know, the big 12 is, is, uh, you know, in one, one shape or form is, is continuing to survive. So, you know, I like, I like where Zane ended up um, and look forward, you know, after his, his senior year next fall um, to watching him uh, in the big 12. Mitch, we'll talk again soon, bud. Great stuff. Great work uh, with uh, the athletic. Thanks for a few minutes today. Yep, good to talk to you, as always. Thanks, Chris. There he is. Mitch Sherman with us. Uh, Benny Nagoy, our conversation with the Lincoln High standout. If you missed that, that's next. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio Back into it at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Busy Monday for standout player at Lincoln High and track uh, standout uh, Benny Nagoy with us. Benny, nice to spend a few minutes with you here on Hail Varsity. Thanks for your time, and take us through your Monday with Coach Joseph. Uh, really, it's just 
uh, I got to school, got to talk to my coach, and uh, I got this information through my coach. He was letting me know. Coach Joseph talked to him, saying how uh, it's, he thinks it's time that uh, he pulls the trigger and extends the offer. So your reaction, what was that like for you? Uh, I just felt like it was a relief because uh, I felt like a lot of people just ex- had expected me to have one. And, like, I travel a lot, and whenever I travel to another school, they just expect me to have that type of offer, the hometown offer. So their their question to you is, why don't you have an offer from Nebraska? Is that pretty much it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, what um, – why? What was the reason you were getting? Why? It, I guess it took so long. Uh, really, uh, I was told uh, they wanted to see how I would react in that type of situation. Being one of the only in-state kids without one, just see if I would give up or just keep working and pushing myself. Well, you, you've kept working, correct? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so tell me a little bit about this offer. I mean, I, I know that you're listed as an athlete among most of the recruiting services. Is that what, what the Huskers see you as as well? Or, or do they have a, a spot for you on, on the team uh, carved out already, wide receiver, defensive backs, whatever it be? Or, or is that kind of a, a wait and see? Yeah, I believe they still also have me labeled as athlete just because they want to see what I could do both sides of the ball. And uh, the Coach Joseph really likes me as a receiver, but – Sometimes they, Coach Fisher might want to see me at DB as well. Well, wh- where do you see yourself on on the offensive or, or, or defensive side? Which which do you prefer? Uh, I really don't have a preference. Both both sides of the ball are both things I've been working on, really. So they're, they've both been fun and been good to me. So it doesn't really matter to me. Betting the guy with us from Lincoln High, uh, track standout and uh, football offer for Nebraska. Betty, what what were your emotions like? With kind of that challenge that the Nebraska offered to you, how did you interpret that uh, with with being one of the in-state kids that's on a lot of boards? You've got a what thirteen Division one offers, Power five schools. Did it did it motivate you? Did it tick you off? How did you you process it? Uh, it really did motivate. Just proves me nothing's going to come easy. Just because I'm an in-state kid doesn't mean I'm going to get it just like that. So it really gave me a chip on my shoulder. It really pushed me. Let's talk about uh, the offensive side of the football. Uh, you played outside receiver. You played inside. And uh, what do you like best as receiver? Is it is it going deep? Is it being in traffic? What, what routes really kind of wind your clock? What makes you excited uh, when it comes to playing receiver? Uh, love those big, deep plays. Just being able to get the crowd, the crowd hype after a big play. So, yeah, for sure going deep. In the slot, you're pretty good after the catch as well. Would, is it fair to say that you were targeted quite a bit by opposing defenses as far as one of, one of the offensive guys to shut down? Did you see a lot of attention last year? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it, was, it was hard. Uh, I, I, I would get covered by multiple players so yeah so. now is there whenever you're lined up a wide receiver is there any 
high-level guy, whether it be NFL or college football, that you try to model your game after, or, or a guy that you watch and say, man, that guy plays a lot like me? I mean, I guess a, a, a role model in, in football, if you will. Are there any guys like that out there? Uh, I try to either model my game after Julio Jones or Calvin Johnson, just some big guys who are physical. Betty, on the defensive side of the football, uh, they, you've lined up in a lot of different spots, safety, corner, outside. Uh, how much blitzing or pressures off the edge did you do or have you done defensively for Lincoln High? Uh, I didn't really get to go in really like that to blitz and stuff, but this upcoming year I'll, you'll probably be seeing a lot of that at different positions. Ed Carter, just watching some of your film, is it something you've worked on to go really low and tackle? That's what you're supposed to do, but it looks like you do that pretty consistently, uh, even as tall as you are. Yeah, um, it's something I worked on during the summer just because uh, my sophomore year, coming in just fresh, had to, had to learn how to get these big guys down. So what is your, your timeline here for, for visits, for summer camp? I know you're, you're part of 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, as well. So what's, what's the rest of the spring and summer look like for you? For spring right now, I, I have two set days on some visits and uh, uh, no set days on camps yet. Okay. Who, who are you visiting and what, uh, what are those dates? Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be flying out to California to visit UCLA, and then the week after, going out to Minnesota. So, uh, aside from Nebraska, would you say those are your top two schools, or, or, or do you have a, a, a list of top schools at the moment right now? Uh, no, I don't have a list right now. Just trying to get out, see some places, so I can figure that out. Well, what are you looking for? Just really a, a great atmosphere and a, a bond with the coaching staff, mm-hmm. like I want to go somewhere where I can actually talk talk to a coach on like a friend-to-friend basis and just be able to trust you, have faith in you. Mm-hmm. Trust has, has got to be big. And who was your first offer and who's kind of recruited you the hardest? My first Division One offer was from Northern Illinois. And uh, I've been getting recruited really hard by uh, Colorado State, Minnesota, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Because you've been down to to KU a few times in Iowa State, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How many trips to Lincoln? Other than, I mean, really, has it been the Friday Night Lights, or have you been on? Have you been to many Nebraska games on your own? Yeah, I've been. I've been to quite a few Nebraska games. Mm-hmm. So, thoughts at least on on what the offense may become? Was that part of a discussion point with you and Coach Joseph? What where they're where they're thinking or talking about offensively? Philosophy wise, uh, no, we we didn't really get to talk about that yet. Mm-hmm. What um, an early impression though of, of Coach Joseph? What was that interaction like? Uh, first meeting him, I really did like his personality, his style of coaching. Just being able to be in the meeting room with him, see what he's about, who he's coached, really uh, made me learn a lot about him. Betty Nagoy with us from Lincoln High. Uh, Betty, when's the, the next uh, track meet for you, and what's what's that look like for you as you wrap up spring? Uh, this Thursday, I'll be will be competing at Lincoln High School 
Harold Scott is big meat. Before we let you go here, Benny, tell me about your, your 2022 season. Give me some of your, your goals that you have for yourself uh, for what you want to accomplish in the fall. Uh, really just want to be able to lead my team, be, uh, be able to – because we lost a lot of seniors, so make sure everybody's on the right path, got their got their head, head their mind and head right. Mm-hmm. So just being a leader for my team. Really. Benny, it's awesome to meet you, man. Best of luck to you, and thanks for a few minutes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Take care. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Rick Kaczynski, a Tuesday with Kaz, coming up in our Better Call Saul recap. Big time Saul fan. Mike St. James is, we'll recap the first two episodes. We won't spoil too much, but if you DVR'd it, man, it's uh, it's an incredible kickoff to the uh, final season. Reminder to get buckled up. Using your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we spent some time talking about Trev Alberts, his sit-down, his monthly call-in show. We got his take on the impression Memorial Stadium can make to younger fans and, and maybe influence them as they get older. Uh, more thoughts from Trev here. Uh, specifically part of the family, right? And this was interesting. And we hear and we get Jay Moore's take a lot on this show. And we, we always appreciate Jay Bird coming on. He was part of the Callahan era. And you got a lot of Callahan guys who feel like they're they're kind of, at least in the past, excommunicated. And that era, I mean, Dolman, bless his heart, calls it the four-year case of the flu. When, when Callahan was was coach here, but uh, the doors are open for uh, for all former Huskers. That's the word from Trev. From our perspective, from our my perspective in particular, you played football for the Huskers. I don't care when you played, who you played for. You're a member of the family, and we're interested in you, and we're going to do the best that we can to embrace you. So good. Now it's uh, important for uh, for former Huskers to feel that way and and get uh, I guess the admirations the word I'm going to use that they deserve walk on or scholarship all American or fourth team guy uh, you move the program forward I know that's how coach McBride feels but you just wonder I saw on Twitter you had a couple of guys that uh, sounded off about oh yeah the doors are open for all of us <laughs> didn't feel like it on Saturday during the spring game. So uh, we'll see if that, that gets corrected. In hour two, we will spend plenty of more time on NIL, and Mitch Sherman touched on it. We'll get Coach Kaczynski's take on just where things go and how soon they flip from a guardrail slash parameters standpoint. Does it do much for you hearing Dabo and Saban complain about where college football's going. They're rich. They're going to get richer. They're already recruiting five- and four-star talent. They're already putting top draft picks into the NFL at the quarterback spot or lines of scrimmage or edge rusher. You want to talk going right, your pecking order's quarterback that's difference-making, generational-changing. Can he beat Bama? 
Can he beat Ohio State? Can he take down USC? Can he work Oklahoma? Can he beat Florida, Tennessee, Georgia? Does uh, he have what it takes to to get it done uh, for a couple of seasons and rise you? Can he lead Notre Dame back to, to a championship? Right. I mean, that's that's what you're investing in if you're a NIL donor. You want to spend some money on a prospective student. I mean, Nebraska is in that arms race right now because of NIL for O'Shawn Mathis. Can Nebraska have a sweet enough deal, football and beyond, for him to pick Nebraska over Texas? Coach Kaz is next hour, too, with Hale Varsity Radio. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into an hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski. Back with us. You know him from Nebraska and Iowa, longtime coach. Coach, what's uh, what's shaking here? We're just kind of punching our way through through uh, April. What do you know? Yeah, man, already, what, 19th, 20th? So, just uh, seems to be flying by. So, just ready, uh, ready for the warm weather to stick around here consistently so i'm all i'm all for it how you guys doing up there we're hanging in we're on the uh we're on snoop dog eve as he is coming to uh pinnacle bank arena for a concert tomorrow <laughs> and uh how much snoop was or is in the kaczynski playlist uh, i don't i don't mind snoop uh but there's Zero snoop on the on the Kaczynski playlist. That's for sure. That's for sure, man. Better, no, I, don't, I mean, I don't mind him. Just not not my uh, not my cup of tea. All right, so, be- better. Nothing nothing against him. He's a he's an entrepreneur. So big. I like him. I like the guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, not just not my type of music, man. Better people watching a Snoop show or the Grateful Dead shows from back in the day. Well, I think probably the Dead show, man. Um, gosh, I mean, you know, obviously people traveling from town to town, the school buses, V dub buses, all the stuff that went on, all the stuff that went on outside the, uh, outside the arena. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I think what the Buffalo, what the Buffalo in 91 and Buffalo 92 was, uh, Buffalo 92 was a really, really good show, but, uh, Outside, uh, what was that? Uh, was Orchard Park, New York? There, where uh, Bills play. Yep. So, uh, yeah, man. No, that was uh, that was uh, that was a cool deal, man. That was a cool, 
cool deal. So I, I'd, I'd have to say the uh, I'd have to say the the dead show, even though I've never been to a Snoop show. But uh, someday that may change, yeah. Kaz. We'll get you to see Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll bring you in for tomorrow night, man. Rick Kaczynski's with us. So the Athletic reporting Stuart Mandel. You had in early March the Athletic reporting a five star. 2023 recruit signing for an $8 million NIL deal, the school's donor collective. And uh, you had the Athletic Review, uh, three recruits recently signing NIL deals. And uh, the the Athletic uh, preserved the anonymity of of all parties. But here's the pay breakdown, a four-star wideout, landing a deal that'll pay that player more than a million dollars over the next four years. Defensive line prospect in the top ten of his position, a three-year deal worth a million, and a three-star defensive lineman signing at half a million over four years. Uh, those were non two of the two of the three were non-exclusive deals. Uh, we've had Saban come out. We've had uh, of course Dabo come out. And what is your reaction, man? You've been in the trenches recruiting. You've recruited cleanly your entire career and developed at Iowa and Nebraska at South Carolina. But now this is all legal to to go pay for play with, uh, with NIL. Do you have sticker shock or are you surprised at all? No, you kind of knew that that we were going down this rabbit hole because I mean they haven't done the NCAA, um, they haven't done anything, mm-hmm. and they let it. I don't think they thought that it was going to happen, and then when the Supreme Court ruling came down, you know they were so far behind the curve. I mean, what, what do you do in a real time manner right now? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with Dabo. I mean, you need to, you need to blow it up, but. It's like everything else. While 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 it's out there, you have to take advantage of it. But once again, the the rich get richer, and and uh, you know the big dogs eat. It, it's it just makes no sense. I mean, you went into it, and I heard uh, Coach Saban talk about it. it. It wasn't supposed to be used for recruiting, and that's all it's used for right now. And. Um, it, I think it's frustrating because it's it's like the NFL. Imagine the NFL operating without a cap. <laughs> and that's what you have right now, right? I mean, you know, take a cap away from the Cowboys. Um, you know, and, and just just look at the the just just look what what that would do to uh, do to the league. I mean, there's a reason you have the cap, and there's absolutely there's no cap. Uh, I mean, basically every kid can. You know the university has to abide by a contract. The um, the football program has to abide by a contract, but the players don't. So every year the player is basically a free agent. And I heard Kiffin. I mean, think about Kiffin. He he made a great point. You know, look at look at Bryce Young. Why wouldn't Bryce Young go into the portal this year? I mean, just think about that. Why not? You know. Because it's really it's, it's just become about money. If Alabama wants to keep him, drive his stock up and his price up, and if uh, or they they would get outbid, kid could go make five million dollars, and, and I think that's the that's the bad part of it. And you, you may see that, you may see that at some point if they don't get the handle on it. But 
you know, obviously it's being it's it's being used for recruiting, and that obviously wasn't the that wasn't the intent. Um, but I, I just can't imagine it. I I can't imagine it lasting like this much longer. Um, you're you you really if you're a, a smaller mid major pro, you absolutely have no chance. I mean, if you're a Mac school and you have a great player. He's gone. He's gonna be. He's gonna be going to the SEC. He's gonna be going to the Big Ten. Um, it's. He's just gonna be in bidding wars. And like I said, it's the NFL without a without a cap. But I don't. I don't blame the kids right now. I mean, what do you? What would you do as an adult? I mean, you go where the money is. You know, if somebody offered me a million more dollars for what I'm doing now, I'm taking the million. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can't, you can't blame the kids. It's, they didn't create this. Um, they're, they're taking advantage of it, but it's, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible for the game. What's your, what's your projected timeline on this? Tell the, the new TV deals are signed by the, the conferences or you, you have a two year window on this uh, one season before the, the powers that be, who are recruiting incredibly anyway, right? You know, Saban, no. Clemson. I mean, what, what's the, the the turnaround? Yeah, well, I think I think I think it'll be a little bit quicker than than people anticipate because the, because you have a guy like Saban, and then you have a guy like Sweeney who who are at the top year in year out, saying, "Hey, this is ridiculous." And you know, for since the history of uh, of the game, when those when when those guys talk, you know, when the blue bloods talk. You know, people start to listen. So, so I think that kind of got the ball rolling. When a guy like Nick Saban comes out and say, "Hey, this is ridiculous," um, and, and even though his players are taking advantage of it, I, I don't, I don't see the hypocrisy in it. They're just doing what they're able to take advantage of right now. Uh, if people are giving you and I, you know, money to do what we do, mm-hmm. um, more money to do what we do for for not doing anything more, we would we would accept it too. I don't blame these kids. I don't blame the players. But I think something's going to change because I think what what you're seeing now it, it's really in the news. It's there's not a day that there's not an interview, there's not an article that it's not when it comes to a sports page or anything to do with uh, recruiting that NIL isn't involved. So I really think that um, people are going to get together rather quickly and, and come up with something. So, uh, cause it's, it's, it's out of hand. I mean, when you can't, you just can't, you can't have amateur sports. You can't have sports on a college campus. Um, where there's no salary cap and, <laughs> it's 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 an unfair playing field that's that's for sure so so i really think now what Saban speaking out and dabo speaking out and many other coaches speaking out i, I think you're probably going to see some changes coming rather quickly that that's just my opinion it's nothing i've read nothing i've known not, not anything i've heard from anybody i spoke with that's just a just a gut feeling rick kaczynski is with us hail varsity Ray, radio seeing what sue did in Lincoln, could you put a price tag on on what his value was? Knowing the D line like you do, I know he was a four and a half five star recruit. But going back in time, you, you look at that two thousand four two thousand five recruiting class. I think John Blake was recruiting it, and I'm just wondering what NIL price tag from today's dollars. Uh, hindsight would have been Aaron Donald. Uh, think about some of the, the the defensive line greats that you've seen. 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I think when you look back, would you be would you have been able to to get those guys on camp? Would Pitt be would Pitt have been able to get an Aaron Donald? I don't I don't think so. You know, would would Nebraska be able to get Sue out of out of uh, where's he from? Portland, Oregon? Portland. Yeah, so so you know, would you would you have been able to outbid a Southern Cal? So so you know, it's 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 hard to look back. Um, gosh, I mean, but the money that he could have made while he was there, I, I and I, and I think that's the intention of this. I think that was the intention of it is to give kids opportunity to 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 use. Um, their name, image, and likeness in a positive manner. I mean, so take a guy like Sue, who who earned it. I think the problem is right now you got guys that are okay. They're earning in high school, and they're they're being rewarded before they even play it down. And uh, I mean, that's just that's just it's bad for a football team too. You know, you're trying to build a football team, and you know you got guys that've been on campus three, four, five years that haven't made a dime off their name, image, and likeness, and you got a you got a high school senior that's 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 inking a, a two million dollar deal in a truck before he even walks on campus. I, I think it's just I think it's just bad. Um, but when you look at when you look at the guys that played at Nebraska, the high profile guys. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, man, you could you could have used that. Uh, I think I think people, how many people would have would have paid Sue just to uh, you know to to use his name, image, and likeness when what was that 2010? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think Sue would have made a lot of would made a lot of money while he was still student athlete at Nebraska. But um, but also too, I think it's a different, gosh, different different generation. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not that it's not that long ago, I mean, kids are kids are looking at schools now where they can make the most money in the short amount of time. These 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 high profile guys. I mean, you look at what Notre Dame's doing. Yeah, do I agree with it? No, but if you want to compete with Alabama, you want to compete with Clemson and Georgia, and Southern Cal and Texas, it's something you you probably have to do um, right now. I don't. I don't think Notre Dame really wants to do it, but you know, you got a disadvantage right off the top from you know one you're in you're in Indiana, um, even though the state's getting better, high school football you don't have as many recruits. Then you have the academic restraints, um, you know. So you're behind the eight ball, but yet Notre at Notre Dame they expect you to be a playoff team mm-hmm. every year. Um, and then once you make the playoffs, they expect you to win. And then when you win one, they're going to expect you to win a national championship. So, in order for you to to get that, who you play, look who you're playing against. You know, okay, well, what's Georgia doing? What's Alabama doing? What's Ohio State doing? What's Clemson doing? So, you better join the party, or that train's passing you by. So, I, do I like it? Oh hell no! But. <laughs> Put a lot of rich dudes at not at Notre Dame put a lot of money together. Basically, you're buying, you're buying players. When I mean, really, in a nutshell, what, what are what are the top programs doing? They're buying the best players, and they're buying the best free agents. And and if that's where we're at with college football, man, we're we're in a world of hurt, man. Kaz, what what program out there? You know Nebraska's fan base. You know Nebraska's resources. So Nebraska will be a player uh, with uh, high-profile 
guys that are that are in the media. I'm thinking of, you know, a Will Compton, a Blake Lawrence with his company, of course, at the ground floor of NIL, but also just the, the fan base and, and the passion. So Nebraska is always going to become, you know, want to come to the table. The fan base, the boosters, the investors, the donors, they'll want to make Nebraska – uh, competitive in this is there kind of a sneaky school that that is just well funded that you think could become a player we, we've said the blue bloods or the the recency uh the, the recent teams that that have played well and done well and of course bama's in that list of they've always been pretty good but could a could a new school rise up like beyond an org and clear with uh, with uncle phil money is there somebody on on your mind that could Kind of jump to the uh, the forefront and and pull a SMU, but now legally. Well, I I see what you're saying. I guess maybe probably the the one team that could could uh, get an invite to that table is Texas A and M. I don't want to. I guess they're not necessarily a you know an outlier by any means, but I think they they're they're boosters. Uh, their donors are heavily involved in the in the football program that goes that goes back mm-hmm. you know you go back to the 60s and 70s and then especially in the in the early 80s um, you talk to some of those old timers about stories about A and M um, they've always they've always funded the football program they bought well. a Trans Am you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean Jackie Sherrill I mean I, I love I mean but also those thing is with 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 rc slocum and jackie sherrill what they were they were they were tough too man pardon the interruption but i'd like to save you some money i'm brandon vogel managing editor of hail varsity and i wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription that means that you for less than twenty dollars can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio continues more with Rick Kaczynski a Tuesday with Kaz. A lot of NIL we're chatting with Kaz about, um, but but they weren't they weren't losing guys they they weren't losing guys that they wanted back then, and um, so I, I think they're I think they're a player just with the amount of people that they have involved with the with the funding of the football program. Um, besides that, it'd be because I think I think the other you got to look at this too. Schmidt is. The, the high profile guys are getting recruited by the same high high profile schools. So mm-hmm. no matter how much money you got, guys still want to go win. Yeah. Right. I mean, they still, they still want to go win. They still want a chance to compete for championships. So it's still going to come down to, you know, are these kids going to have an opportunity to play for a conference championship? They're going to have an opportunity to play for a national championship, make a playoff. And you know, become a, uh, a better football player and improve their chances to come to the NFL. So I think when it comes to the recruiting part of it, 
you still have uh, you still have the blue bloods who are able to play. Now, out of those blue bloods, I think kids are going to look at okay, who's got the best facilities um, and who's got the best uh, who's going to give me the best opportunity to to make a playoff and and compete for a national championship. So. I still, I, I still don't think those top tier guys. It's going to change the places they're looking at or the schools that they're going to choose. So it's because now, guess what? All the if if the big if the big schools weren't paying what they're paying, then they might look at a, a mid level team. Then they might look at a place and says, "Oh shoot, I can go here and make five million. Well, if Alabama's not paying me five million, well, guess what? If Alabama's paying you, and you know, you're still going to go where you got an opportunity, then it's going to come down to what this place can do for me academically and athletically. Well, I, I, I one in the that, same, one in the same. Yeah. 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 We would, we'd like to think that, but that's BS. You know that <laughs> I know that everybody listening. Um, oh, that's BS. Um, you know, guys like me who weren't going to the NFL need the academics, but yeah. uh, you know, um, but if I could make 5 million before I step foot on campus, yeah. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have taken school quite. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Kaczynski with us. Kaz, uh, let's talk uh, defensive line. We, we've talked a lot about recruiting and regions, but when it comes down to building your depth and putting four or three linemen together, you got to have different kind of pieces, don't you? You need your your big bodies to, to plug the run, but you need your twitch guys, and, and that – that's uh, not necessarily complicated to see what you what you need, but probably pretty hard to get. And uh, just a quick thought on just some of the different body types. So it's uh, it's it's most advantageous to, to what type of uh, front you can put out on the football field and also have some of that depth. Well, the guys I recruited that were I guess would have the plugger bodies. They had twitch. They had twitch too. I think. Combo. That's why it's really critical in, in recruiting. I mean, I, you know, I never I, I never recruited guys to stop the run or to rush the passer. Um, you recruited guys that you know capable of doing both. I you know, I think what what I always sold kids on, um, and what I think why the NFL was attracted to a lot of the guys that we were able to coach was the fact that they were three down guys. You never had to take them off the field. Um you know they could they could stop the run and they could rush the passer because uh, once you get up to the NFL that's that's what you got to do. I I never looked at a kid and say okay well he'd be good on rundowns or look at this kid oh man we could make him a a third down pass rusher and I think when you look you look over time when people have tried to do that it's never worked out like oh why why do you think a a, a linebacker would just be a, a great pass rusher as a defensive end it does it doesn't work like that i mean you are or you aren't and you know to me you 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 make football players you make d linemen if you're a defensive lineman you should be able to stop the run and you should be able to rush the passer period period end of story you don't have enough roster spots for to, to have guys, um, you know, be a specialty. Are there guys that just naturally have more twitch and are harder to block in the pass? Absolutely. But let me tell you, twitch guys are hard to block in the run. Um, you know, I mean, hell, I, I, that's why I, I hated playing Air Force and Army and those type of dudes because they had 245, 250-pound quick dudes with, with twitch, man, that, that just, you know, fought, fought their tails off every snap, man. 
and uh, you know they couldn't hold up. But you know, give me a uh, you know you, when you're playing at Nebraska, you're playing in a uh, a Power Five conference. You can't like I said, you, you might have a plugger that can. Your pluggers are are, are are your second teamers, and that you hope one day are three down guys. But um, you know if you're if you're lining up with pluggers, uh, you, you're not gonna, you're not going you're not going to compete in this conference. You're not going to compete in the SEC. You're not going to compete in the Big Ten for championships. Absolutely not. If you don't have a great D line, you ain't got a, you ain't got a chance. I mean, you you really don't you really don't have a chance. Um, you know, very go back since Nebraska has joined the Big Ten. Uh, or or through the realignments, and uh, I think there's very 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 few might be one or two few exceptions of of teams that didn't have a NFL D line that didn't have four guys across the board that that uh, were on NFL rosters or signed free agent contracts. So um, it, it's critical. You look at the SEC, and that's where those dudes start. I mean, they, that's that is where they start. It, it's it's all about it's all about the D line. I mean, South Carolina they stink. They'll have two guys drafted off the D line. Mm-hmm. They stunk two years ago. I mean, they had a first round pick. I mean, it's it's about D line. It's about guys that can play. It's about guys that you can keep on the field. They have to be able to stop the run. They have to be able to rush the passer. There are some guys that might be a little bit better at this. Absolutely, but you know, when I was recruiting, I was just recruiting for D line mm-hmm. man. But uh, you know, the dudes would stiff up for bodies. <sighs> yeah, you ain't gonna win with them, man. You ain't gonna win with them. You just can't. You just can't. I'm not saying that's what Nebraska has. I haven't studied them mm-hmm. long enough to know what they have. But but I but I know this: the best teams that I coached on had a Randy Gregory, had a, had a Mike Daniels, had a Mitch King, had a Adrian Clayboard, and a Christian Ballard. So. Yeah, I can promise you it, it it wasn't all coaching as much credit as I'd like to give myself. But it had a lot more to do with their parents, I can swear, than than, than me. So uh, you know, you gotta you 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 gotta get those guys and 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 those, and you have those guys. You have those guys in the Midwest. You have to you you have to develop them. You have to put the weight on steadily. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a 250-pound linebacker that that might be a step slow, and then you put his hand in the ground. I mean, we we those guys are there's an abundance of those guys in the Midwest, and like we go back, we've talked about before on the show, Schmidt is, you know, offensive line and defensive line. If you're if you're recruiting every year for guys to help you win right away, you're not doing it right. You know, you want guys. Hey, if they can come in and contribute, but I've never, I've never been at a place where if you're counting on freshmen to make you better immediately, then you ain't got the right guys on campus and you haven't done a good job recruiting. It's a so. tough ask. Rick Kaczynski with us. Guys, we'll talk next week. Great stuff, man, and always appreciate the insight and uh, the candor uh, when it comes to NIL and, and obviously uh, the defensive line, bud. All right, brother. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully people are still listening. They are, Kaz. God love you. Good to hear from Rick Kaczynski. Mike St. James in the on-deck circle to recap the first two episodes of Better Call Saul. Good story here from 24-7 Sports on trap games in the Big Ten. So a lot of teams, 
Rutgers is the trap game team. Uh, more times than not, they've showed up three times during the different look at 2022 in different opponents. Connor, guess who is Nebraska's trap game? Who's the trap team? What's the game? I'm going to guess Northwestern. It is not. Really? No. Is it one of the non-con games? No. Okay, good. <laughs> who, who's been the biggest pain in the neck that you're supposed to just show up, roll your helmet out, and beat? Minnesota? Illinois. Illinois. Oh, duh. That's okay. I mean, but, I don't have the schedule in front of me. No, you're good. But here's how it shakes out. Illinois, October 28th, and that, that ends uh, October before you get ready and head into November. Do you agree with – listen, look at Nebraska's schedule. You're at Northwestern. Trev Albert said it last night. Northwestern's huge. It is. It's your mulligan for last year's – oops, we did something in the bed against the Illini on the road. North Dakota follows uh, after the old time change and you don't get a bye week. Georgia Southern, Clay Helton comes to town, shedding and trading as USC Garnet and Gold or Maroon and Gold. Then Oklahoma comes to town. And then there's Indiana. Then there's Rutgers on the road. Then there's Purdue on the road. Back-to-back roadies uh, with Rutgers and Purdue. And then there's Illinois. Following Illinois, Minnesota, then you end with the death march at Michigan, Wisconsin, at Iowa. So, Illinois, you come off the the road win, allegedly, at Purdue. Purdue's going to be picked in some polls to win the West. And then you, you, you put your feet up. You recharge. You get ready. It's your second bye week. Rust versus rest at this point in the year. I will buy all the rest I can if I'm uh, Nebraska to get ready for the uh, the stretch run where you have Minnesota physical. You're at Michigan, allegedly physical. Then you, you go from at Michigan to Wisconsin, super physical. Then you're at Iowa. Illinois, you're buying that as the trap game for Nebraska. It's certainly up there. Ken emails in, if you're coming off five straight losses, aren't isn't any game a trap game? Aren't they all? That's a good point. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Ken is buying low. He's taking the under on the six and six discussion point. Oh, I gotta get I gotta get a beer with old Kent, longtime listener. And uh see where he comes out. If you're coming off five straight losses, aren't they all trap games? Man, someone buy Kent some tequila and give him a hug. Could be undefeated by then, Kent. Yeah, I know. Drug test me. Better Call Saul recap. Mike St. James next. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the 
promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You hear the theme song. It is better called Saul Time. Season six, now more input. I said five straight losses. When you've had five straight losing seasons, you don't get a trap game. That was what Kent was emailing in. Dan echoes, how the hell do we have a, quote, trap game? Don't you need to be a winning program to get those? No. You can, you can misstep. Uh, I mean, look at Michigan State, Nebraska 2015. I mean, that Nebraska was a monster trap game for Sparty coming off an undefeated run. We say hi to Arden Spartan fan before he hangs up on me, Mike St. James. Sparty, you know I had to work in 2015 somehow. How are you? God, that's horrible. Why would you do that to me? Hey, legit, last segment we were just talking about trap games. 24-7 came out with each team's trap game, and Illinois and the Pig Farmer came up for Nebraska. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, because you're coming off of a bye week. You're coming off of uh, Purdue. (laughs) You're coming off of Rutgers. So who knows how... uh, Mid uh, mid October to end of October will look like, but we're uh, we're anxious to talk. Better call Saul with you. How good, man! I I stayed up late to watch it. I didn't even DVR it, so I'm dragging a little bit today. How good? It, how good was episode it, one and two? They were incredible. Yeah, yeah, I loved them, and it's great to have a show like that because how long has it been since you sat through commercials? to watch the next segment of a show. I mean, we've Forever. been, you know, streaming everything. Yep, same here. Same here. So what's your what's your gut feel? Uh, what is your gut on on the opening scene where all of, all of Saul's gears getting tossed by the movers? Apparently Kim's stuff is still in this monstrosity of a home that has a golden golden toilet. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, tasteful and understated. That's, that's, what that's right. With. Just nothing but excess, right? Him and Hefner. <laughs> but no, I, I just the way she seems to, dare I say, be on the verge of Breaking Bad, man. Because she's, yeah, she's all about conning and and conniving. She's really good at it, and uh, I think she's more dirty than Saul. Yeah. Yeah. And Bob Odenkirk was saying that he says, you know, the question isn't how does Jimmy become Saul? The question is, who is Kim? Mm -hmm. Because we're we're starting to find that out. God, I love that character. She she has not been even nominated for an Emmy and she's fantastic. She is. You've got the the Kim and uh, Saul storyline. And then you have Mike and Gus and the Mexican cartel and that's that's interesting. Nacho's still alive, but the twins have got him. Spoiler alert, forgive me. I should have said that three minutes ago. But it's, you know, I, Gus, is, Gus is feeling it, man. It's like his, his hit went wrong, and now uh, now he's about to be found out. How's Mike going to maneuver this? Yeah, I have no idea. And the, and the way they put uh, the uh, phone number of that motel in the safe so that 
the cartel would find it, and then they would be able to track Nacho down. And then Nacho ends up calling Gus at the end. So I, I have no idea. Nacho's kind of – he's becoming the hero of the show, really. Yeah, Mike uh... – Mike Mike hates Gus and the fact he's trying to whack his dad, Nacho's dad. Yeah. So he uh, he wanted to expose Gus there. Kind of went a little reverse on him. Yeah, yeah, and it and it was kind of fun to see you know Nacho like at the at the end of the last episode last season when you had Lalo coming out of his compound with the angriest look on his face <laughs> you could imagine, and you knew Nacho was in big trouble. So then they start this one out. And he's like running through the wilderness like Dr. Richard Kimball or something. Yeah. And so how does how does Lalo end? Because I think where it's going to merge between Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is the scene in the desert where Walter's coughing a storm up. Did Lalo send you, right? That's that's the the reference of yeah. Lalo. So does, does Nacho get Lalo? Does Lalo get Nacho? Do they get each other? Does Gus snuff them both out? I mean... What what's some predictions here? As we have, what is it now? Seven more episodes, six more episodes till the uh, finale. Yeah, that's that's what that's what we're all hoping. Like, not I want Nacho to survive. I want him to survive because they're the two you know protagonists that we don't know their fate. You know, everybody else. If if they show up in Breaking Bad, we know they're going to live through Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. but those two didn't. Mike St. James with us, uh, our uh, Better Call Saul expert and fan, big fan of the show, and uh, just recapping the uh, season kickoff last night in episode two, an hour and a half of incredible TV. Here's what I think, man, and maybe it's too Pollyanna, but I think I think old Gene gets smuggled out of Oakview somehow, <laughs> and I think he ends up either in uh, – in southeast Nebraska with Kim, that's where she's from, right? Or, well, she, or, or maybe he ends up, uh, maybe he ends up in, in Alaska with Jesse. Ooh, oh, there's a twist. Yeah, I don't know. God, it's and, and yeah, that's another part of the show. We we have to find out what happens to Kim and Nacho, and then we have to find out what happens to Saul when he becomes Gene in, in Omaha. Where does he go from there? Because usually they start the season with a scene from that, with a scene from him in, in Omaha, but they didn't this time. Instead, we got to see his house, you know, when it all came tumbling down. Mm. So, God, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting because remember last season, a guy had tracked him down. A guy had made him. him in yeah, Omaha. He's, he's sitting there eating the, the, the Cinnabon. In Oakview, uh-huh. right? And say it, say it. Better call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it was his cabbie, right? I mean, is it yeah. some bounty hunter that's going to take him in? Yeah, that's and so who knows when we're going to be able to get a resolution to that? God, this is they've got they've got a lot to juggle here, and it is really cool how they are fitting this in. So that it'll line up with the early events in Breaking Bad. So what spin? <laughs> what spinoff do you want? Because they're talking about another spinoff. What character? About a minute. Oh, I want the Kettlemans. I want the. They Kettlemans suck. I can't I stand them. him. No, no, no. I can't stand her. <laughs> God, she's, she's off. No, she, no. I want the twins to be resurrected and go after her. <laughs> oh God, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it how in this episode, 
um, Nacho backed that truck up and almost ran into him, and it was just like what happened <laughs> with in, Hank in Better Call Saul with Hank. Yeah, yeah, yeah big time. Mike St. James, uh, big time Better Call Saul fan aficionado. Our old boy Timo turned us on to Better Call Saul. Uh, just as a recap, uh, Timo and Better Call Saul, Mr. Bob Odenkirk, boys back in college. So yep. that's how we got this thing rolling and segment. Mike, we'll give you a shout next Tuesday if it works for you, brother. And thanks for talking episode one and two with us, man. Oh, sure, Smitty. Have a great night. All right. We'll uh, we'll get those highlights of 2015 for you so you can relive it. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's Mike St. James. Still to this day, man, is is furious about his Spartans losing in Lincoln uh, in 2015. But we, we talked better call Saul. We'll wind out a Tuesday. Hale Bar City presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time on a tuesday tomorrow on the show mike badcock mike shuhart and austin allen gonna join us as we gear up for the nfl draft and Austin, uh, pretty talented tight end, of course, from Nebraska and out of Aurora. We'll see where he ends up uh, with the NFL draft and excited to spend some time with him as he's been training and getting ready for a pretty big moment. Uh, And what a great, great season he had a year ago at tight end for Nebraska. So, Austin Allen, I uh, will not jinx tomorrow's effort guest-wise could be good could be big time we'll see if it comes through we'll just leave leave it there i don't know dude (laughs) this might be an all-timer if it happens well there you go and i will owe uh one ted wright drinks the rest of his life and mine we'll see if it happens we're knocking on so we'll take some more of your emails and uh we'll get into some football and baseball with babbers Uh, tomorrow podcast be sure to subscribe tell us what you think give us a rating good bad or ugly even you think if if you feel towards us like Kyrie feels towards boston we still want to hear about it we're number we're number one the other way (laughs) uh can subscribe uh with uh hail varsity radio and uh, download the podcast subscribe to the podcast rate the podcast spotify itunes google play and uh, we appreciate you doing that, and we appreciate all of you tuning in for it. So, did you ever get busted by your folks flipping uh, flipping somebody off? No. No? Never. You, you never did it, or you never got caught? I just never got caught. Dude, mom, okay, okay. I remember, like, being 
irritated as a, as a youth and I think flipping off K-State. And my dad grabbed my wrist and I thought he was going to split it in half. Well, I never and he's did like, it we, as a kid. Well, no, but like I was old enough to know not to do that. Right. That was being an a-hole fan. And he let me know about it. You don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Then he showed me how you're supposed to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> No. It's the life lessons that count, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, he's like, we don't do that. He's like, all right, Dad, sorry, man. Don't chuck me off the, the balcony here, West Stadium. But no, it is. I have appealed to a friend in the NBA of 25 grand a finger is excessive. It's not like it was on TV. I, I mean, know. It was, it was behind his head, and it was sly, and, and it got a, a rise out of the – the Boston fans, the only reason he got nailed is because somebody's filming on Twitter. Yeah, I I think it's entertaining. I mean, it's good for the NBA, too, because you have that fan-player rivalry, and it's the playoffs. I'll say this. The the NBA players, they are uh, do it with me up to here with some of the, the abuse and the fans and uh, right, wrong, however you feel about it, that they're, they're done with it. Now... You don't see anyone going into the stands in the NFL. Baseball, you get beer dumped on you. It's just part of part of life in the in, in MLB, the right? Because Cup fans out in the bleachers, you guys get all, all over whoever's in the outfield. Yeah, all bets are kind of off once you <laughs> once you enter those bleachers. Uh, don't have expect that thirty eighth old. St- once you have that thirty eighth old style, but um, yeah, twenty five grand a finger too much, not enough, just right. Kyrie needs to chill. A uh, great player if he could just stay contained. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.